Yeah, it's so good. It's so bad that it's good. That is the wrong answer, actually. <laughs> it's just a wild romp. I am feeling this. Yeah, yeah, yeah! All of them! What are you talking yourself into? I'm trying to talk myself into that. This is what this podcast is for. We're also trying to talk you into it. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other and maybe even you into liking what we like. This episode, it's Downton Abbey. My name's Dan, and the first comic book I ever read was a 70s Vietnam story called War is Hell that I found in Jimmy's dad's bathroom. My name is Jimmy, and my first sweepover was at my friend Eric's birthday party in second grade. We watched Godzilla 2000, and I found out I snored from all my friends who stayed up and had fun instead. My name is Jeff, and Dan and I spent almost $400 each to dine at one of the world's finest restaurants. Oh, that was a good time. It was <laughs> a time to remember. It was magical. It yeah. was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for most people. So maybe we should learn a lesson from what happened with Bespoke Post, and we should give this restaurant a shout-out <laughs> in hopes that all of us will be invited for a free meal. Yo, what up, Blue Hill Farms in Terrytown, New York? Blue Hill, yeah. We heard about it on Netflix. It's your boys from Talk Me Into. Yeah. We yeah. enjoyed your food. It's great. Yeah. So Godzilla 2000, right? <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember anything from it, but uh, I, I actually saw on. that a few times in like Did 2001. Really? It yeah. was on like HBO or something. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a big movie at the time. I owned the soundtrack on CD. <laughs> Weird. Why? <laughs> it's, it's even weirder than watching it. Because I liked the Rage Against the Machine song that was oh, on there yeah. that was like not available anywhere else. That's weird. And I also liked the Puff Daddy song that he sang nope, from Led Zeppelin. Wrong movie. Come with me. I'm going to take Wrong you with me. Wrong movie. You're That's talking Godzilla. about Godzilla. Yeah. You're talking the about US 1998. The from 1998 yeah. or 7. Oh. We're talking about Godzilla 2000. Which is a Japanese movie. Oh. Listen. I thought you were just referencing the year and I thought it came out. I watched no, Shin no. Godzilla. I'm basically a Godzilla head <laughs> okay. at this point. Are you getting the Criterion box set? No, I'm not really a Godzilla. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that well, does look dope, though. The apparently, awesome. I'm not a Godzilla head either because I had the wrong movie. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I think I think I had that. Soundtrack. Godzilla 2000 was like one of the last ones that uh, Toho made oh. in, in Japan. Look at me. I'm Jimmy. I watched Toho as a child. <laughs> I don't remember anything from the movie. I just remember falling asleep and all my friends telling me I snored the next day. I remember They're the car because like, it was like weird. It was yeah. like a box with a window on the side. Yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. But yeah, all my friends were like, yeah, we were out having fun and you were just kind of upstairs sleeping in the attic. That sounds so fun, though. That's like my idea of a sleepover. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure it was a fun sleepover, but I slept through most of it. You really got your money's worth on the sleep part of the sleepover. Yeah, yeah they were all over there having yeah. fun. And That's you what were asleep. Jimmy heard the term sleepover and he thought to himself, I'll sleep while you're over there. <laughs> yeah. Same joke, worded differently. Yeah, I better. Like it. It, was, it was better. I'll give you that. So... so Oh, Whoa. <laughs> we just sewed together. Oh, my God. This is the part of the episode where we would usually throw to each other for like if there had been any reviews or anything like that. But I think you guys have something that you want to bring up at this point. Yeah. So I was looking at our reviews for any new reviews um, to read. And I was looking at uh, Four Star Brian and um, <laughs> my dad. I was quite surprised that apparently you can 
edit your reviews, <laughs> and uh, he's officially now five star Brian. Wow! A round of applause. A pause. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that what it's called when cats clap? Yeah. A round yeah. of applause? <laughs> a round of applause. So congratulations to my dad. I didn't know it was possible, but somehow he found a way to go from four-star Brian to five-star Brian. Wow, yeah. what a dad. Yeah, so super happy about that. And uh, if you want to give us a five-star review, um, I mean, if you want, you can give us any star review. But If you feel so inclined. If you feel so if inclined. If it's less than five stars, we don't will make review. fun of yeah, you, though. Just- that's don't, true. Don't even bother doing it. We yeah. don't. We don't want to participate in. We that. have one three star, and it's anonymous. And I was so mad to see it. <laughs> yeah, we leave do. your name, coward. <laughs> but uh, it's if probably you, your mom. It's <laughs> <laughs> a three star, Lynn. <laughs> Never. I'm the best boy and little boy in the whole wide world. <laughs> she would always leave me a five star. Can I please say that if you want to give us a review, we'll read it on the show. And if you feel so inclined, you can send us an email at talkmeinto at gmail.com. We'll read it right now. Do it. So every week we have a segment where we're talking ourselves into things. Uh, can be any little fun thing or whatever. But um, yeah, so this week... I'm going to have Dan start it off. Dan, what are you talking yourself into? This week, I'm talking myself into selling my clutter. Oh, yeah? Oh. What you getting rid of? Well, I got a lot of extra crap sitting around, taking up space, getting dusty. Yeah. And I've been a little low on funds the past few weeks. So I decided, hey, might as well get rid of some of this, clear some space out, and make a little extra money. Yeah. So far, not going great. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um... The first thing I tried to do was, as I've mentioned on previous podcasts, I've lost a lot of weight recently, and I've gone through a lot of different sizes of clothing. So I gathered up all this extra clothing that doesn't fit me anymore, Mm -hmm. and coincidentally, my dad said that he had a bunch of old clothes that he was going to donate to Goodwill, and I said, hey, donate to me. That's Goodwill, baby. (laughs) So I took literally three full garbage bags of clothing to a consignment shop in Southington that I've frequented to buy clothes. Yeah. And they looked through it, and they turned back a good portion of it that they just didn't think. This is like a higher-end consignment shop. They don't take Mm -hmm. everything. But they kept a bunch. They gave me like a business card with an account number, and they said, you know, give it a few weeks and then call in and check your balance, and you can come and pick up the money whenever, or you can wait until the end, however you want to do it. Mm. So I waited about two and a half weeks. I called the number, gave them my account number, and they're like, okay, let's find out how much has sold, how much is on your account right now. She's gone for a minute. She comes back on the phone. She goes... Um, 210. And I said, wow, I already made $210. That must be like everything. And she goes, <laughs> no, sir, you've made $2.10. Nice. So how much did you sell? Like one shirt? I don't even know. I said, thank you. I was so embarrassed that I assumed $210. She <laughs> laughed and I just hung up. <laughs> that is embarrassing. And it's been a month and I haven't called since. <laughs> uh, so still waiting on that one. I've I've sold a couple books on eBay and a hat on eBay, which is my first time selling things. That didn't go great. It's annoying. Mm. It's annoying. It is. And in order to not pay any fees because I'm cheap and I don't want to lose any money on this, you, they sort of force you into like just selling it like willy nilly. I don't know how to describe it, but like they charge you to put a reserve on there. They charge you for like some other thing that you can do, like set the number of days or something like that. So mm. I got rid of all that. I just did like a straight auction. And one of the books that I had is an out-of-print comic book series from Marvel that I've seen on eBay for like $70 to $90. Mm -hmm. 
and I sold my copy for 17 because oh. that's how high it went before the bid ended and I could not set a reserve. So yeah. I was not too thrilled with that. And my hat I sold for $7 and it cost me like $3 to ship it. Yep. Oh boy. So, uh, unless yeah. you're selling high ticket things, like it's not worth it. Yeah. yeah. So what I, th- I'm, my last attempt is going to be, um, I'm going to try to go through my comic book collection. Oh, oh boy. And sell it off sort of like in chunks based on like, that's what you got to do. Stuff. Cause I recently did that and I sold off the bulk of it just in bulk for store credit. And yeah. Then, and you get like nothing. And for I it. kept complete runs that I know I could sell separately and I just haven't done that yet. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to isolate a few complete runs and do a test of like maybe two or three of those. Let me know what you're selling. I might be interested. Oh, that's a that's a sure way to make more money. Oh, you're welcome. I'll charge you a lot more than eBay. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like it, it'll it be a lot easier to sell to someone I know. Yeah. So if you're listening and you want to buy some comic books, hit me up. Danny me underscore breakdown. <laughs> yeah, Danny underscore breakdown. In the meantime, Jimmy... What have you been talking yourself into? Uh, this is a weird one, and uh, it, it's only been like the past couple of days, but um, I am talking myself into, uh, I'm trying to remember how I worded it. Oh, yeah. Uh, be more engaged politically. Um, okay. Because the past week has been a rough one for probably everybody. Um, well, as of the time we're recording as the this. time we're recording as of this. the time we're recording this, there will have been another fifteen mass shootings. Probably. Yeah, but at this point, there was two in one weekend. Yeah, which is just insane. And um, I don't know if this was the this the spark that uh, started the fire, but I was like, you know, they're blaming video games for uh, a lot of this violence, game. and it's like they've been doing that forever. Really? Like at this point, like I'm not going to get too political on here because who knows who's listening? And who uh, cares? Yeah, I agree, but <laughs> you never know. But um, the point, of, is the much... point of getting engaged politically is to address people who have wrong opinions <laughs> yeah. um, about certain things. So if you're well, there was a time in then... this country where you could say like, oh, I respect everyone's opinions and we should be able to come together. And I'm past that now. Now there's a line in the sand and there's wrong and there's right. See, morally. I started out as wrong and right um, during uh, the immediately after 9-11 like i'm a george bush is a bad guy and everybody's like he's your president you have to support him and i'm like no you're wrong and then i kind of like mellowed out i'm like all right yeah i could see uh, your side of things but Same. it's it's back to that it's yeah there's certain people who are just wrong and you're a bad person and yeah. it's not a thing it's not about politics it's just that you are ignorant and yeah it's, it's or just, you're evil it's pure stupidity at this point and just i don't know i, I just feel like i need to be more engaged and and try and and see what's happening in this country because who the hell knows if we're going to be around in the next five years because it's getting a little crazy. Yeah, I agree with you. I think a good place to start is to just start doing some research and find out where you stand on your beliefs on things. Yeah. And then uh, start to put that into action. Yeah, I agree. Because if I know anything about Jimmy, it's that the one thing he has in common with the NRA is that if you try to take his video games away, you can pry him out of his cold, dead hands. Did you notice that the thing that really got him was like, they're saying that (laughs) Super Mario Sunshine caused the deaths in Toledo? Toledo. (laughs) I mean, honestly, like the thing with Walmart is laughable, though. They're going to remove video game, uh, like what, stand-ins and posters and stuff, but they're going to keep selling guns and ammunition. Yeah, it's insane. It's thinning the herd, man. It's pitting everybody against each other. Yeah. Jeff, what are you talking yourself wow, into? Something a little more positive. <laughs> I was about than, to say. I mean, yours is positive, but this just got dark. We're a lighthearted show. 
We like to laugh about things, be a little escape, but I am talking myself into Now, this is a big one. I don't know how to word this. Taking risks, leaving your comfort zone and not plateauing. That's right. I'm the Tony Robbins of talk me into. Okay, let's hear it. We are trying to better ourselves. That's a good one. Yeah, we are. I'm bettering myself and we want you to better yourself before we talk about Downton Abbey. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So... My job for the last five years, uh, very comfortable. Yeah. I could just go into work wearing a t-shirt, shorts, sneakers, a hat if I want. And without the risk of, you know, getting fired or doing something dumb, it's just I, I settled into this job. It's very easy. I get a paycheck every Wednesday mm-hmm. and nothing changes. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? It's time for a change, buddy. You can do better than this. You're plateauing. You're stagnant. Sure, you started off this job in the warehouse and you rose up and you rose up and you got promoted and you got several promotions. And now I'm just flatlining. I hit that plateau and I was like, no more. I need a new job. And I got one. And I'm in that transition now. And it's a little it's a little like scary, right? You're leaving your comfort zone. You're taking a risk on this new thing. What if it doesn't work out? Then what? Well, who cares? I have to see where I can go and what I can do. And that's not just with, that's a big thing. That's a life-changing thing, right? But there's little things too. It's just like uh, when I was in a band for a long time, I was asked to play bass in a band. And I was like, I don't play bass. And they're like, we don't care. We're (laughs) a shitty band. Just play the bass. And I was like, okay. And I was bad at it. And then like a little while later, I was like, hey, Dan and friends, you want to see me play in this band? And you guys are like, huh, just playing bass. He sucks. Mm-hmm. And then you saw me like, oh, he's not that bad. I was getting better. I was into it. I was practicing. I was focusing on it. And I got to a point where I was really good at it. And some other bandmates, they stopped. They were just happy with where they were. And one of my bandmates was like, a lot of these, a lot of musicians, they just plateau. They just stop. They're happy where they are. But, you know, we're always practicing, trying to make ourselves better. And I've taken that philosophy with me and other things. And now I don't, I'm not in the band now. So like I stopped playing bass. So this might be a bad analogy. But while, <laughs> but while <laughs> keep I was charging it, ahead, <laughs> while I was playing, I was always trying to be better. And I got to a point several years later where I was the best I ever was at playing that instrument. And I'm not there now because like, I'm damn, we just recorded and I was really not good. But, um, you know, just if you take that and apply it to your life in little things or in large things, you're going to be a lot happier. Yeah. So yeah. Jeff's message is to push through your plateau, get better, excel, then and stop. then backslide. Yep. And then just and get as bad as you were Once before. you get to the top, you just jump off the side of the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> and you splatter on the ground. Well, that's good, though. I mean, I, I could have done something similar. I wish I had done that for this week. So props to you, Jeff. Round of applause for Jeff. That was a running joke. You're welcome. Jeff applauded the longest. (laughs) Okay, fellas. (laughs) There it is. This week. You're going to forget it one time. What? You're going to forget to say, okay, fellas, one time. Never. It's ingrained in my very soul. Wow. So this week, we're taking some time for me to talk you guys into something that's very topical. Topical. Right after this episode airs. We are all going to run to the theater mm. to see Downton Abbey, the movie. Ah, topical, like early 1900s British aristocracy. Yes. So Downton Abbey is a series that ran on the BBC uh, from like November 2010 till 
mm, I don't have the cutoff date, but it ran for a few seasons. Um, it is, as Jeff referenced, a historical fiction uh, that has to do with British aristocracy and the early 20th century feudal system. What is your guys' level of exposure to Downton Abbey? Uh, Jeff, you go first. I watched a few episodes when it was like big because in the U.S. it was airing on PBS, which is not really known to have like, you know, yeah. huge like mainstream pop culture events. Are you mm-hmm. talking, and are you saying that Mr. Rogers isn't huge and mainstream? Mr. Rogers was popular, but it wasn't like, Jeff oh, wasn't the target audience. Yeah, it's not like <laughs> mash levels of popular. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I watched a few episodes uh, back then. You know, it was good, but I didn't. I guess back then I didn't like it enough to finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe with a focused eye this time around, yeah, uh, I'll be talked into it. Jimmy, have you seen it? Uh, no, I've never seen any of it. I don't know anything about it. I know that um, McGonagall from Harry McGonagall. Potter's in here. Yes. And, well, if you're uh, British, you're legally obligated to be, to be in, in every Harry British Potter thing every film. ever. Yeah. 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 So let's get into a little bit about what Downton Abbey is about. So Downton Abbey follows a fictional family. The Downtons. No. Damn. Uh, the Abbeys. No. Uh, Abigail Downton. The Crawleys. Okay, I was close. They are... Creepy? Basically... Stop. Creepy I'm trying to put my words into words. <laughs> You're not doing well, so I'm trying to make it entertaining for the So listeners. this family, they're inheritors of the Earldom of Grantham, which is a fictional estate in England. And fictional words. Yes. Uh, earldom, that means that one of them is the earl. It's the feudal system. They're in charge of this plot of land in this ancestral home, which is like a mansion or a small castle, and all the surrounding areas. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how deep I have to get into the feudal system, but <laughs> they're, they're a l- lower level of aristocracy, and there's all the people around them that work for them and provide upwards, and then it goes upwards through them to the king, supposedly, even though mm. not really. But the the cool thing about this show is the juxtaposition between the lives of this well-to-do aristocratic family versus the people who serve them. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. So the the series is pretty pretty split. There's focal points on both sides of this divide. Mm. So the plot line of season one of the family is spoiler no spoilers here. This is revealed early on in the very first episode that the presumed heir apparent and his brother have recently perished on the Titanic sinking. Oh. So this family, it's a mother, father, and three daughters. And the eldest daughter, Mary, was set to marry, no pun intended, her cousin, who was the heir. Cool. To keep the nice. earldom in the family, basically. So not only yeah. is the house ancestral, but it's incestual. Yes. Nice. Well, first cousins, that day and age, you know, we'll just eh. push that under the rug. But um, hey basically, oh wow! <laughs> after these two cousins pass away, there's no heir apparent to the earldom. So they bring in a distant cousin who they've never met before, Matthew Crawley, who is a solicitor, which I guess is like a lawyer back then mm. in nearby Manchester. He's just like basically a regular guy. He's, you know, he's connected to this family, but only tangentially. And he's brought in all of a sudden him and his mother and basically told like, oh, you can be the new Earl of Downton Abbey, which is the name of the home, and probably have to marry the eldest daughter. Oh. 
So it's this interesting thing between this dichotomy between the family who was raised a certain way, which at this time in England, uh, if you're an aristocratic family of a large house, you basically don't do anything. You <laughs> you wake up, you eat, you talk a bunch, you drink. Occasionally, you'll go for like a fox hunt or the women will go for like a dance. Oh, were they into falconry? Probably. Oh, that is such a cool sport. <laughs> so there's that's the whole plot of okay. what we would call the upstairs. Now, the downstairs plot, which is like the servants, mm. is that Lord Grantham, the father of the family, yeah. has... um brought in a new footman which is like um like a butler okay but he's more than a butler because he didn't just like clean for you and provide things for you he's like he's like your right hand man he literally like helps you dress he like does all your cleaning he sees to all your like food preparation he's like in charge of your life he's your number one guy yeah and so there's like all kinds of drama of like certain servants thought that they should have been promoted within rather than had this guy brought in from the outside and he also is connected to the father of the family because he served with him in the military and was his back then if you were an aristocratic man in the military you'd be provided a footman even during times of war which is pretty crazy nice so he was his footman and uh he walks with a cane and some of the servants don't think that he's like physically capable for the job and whether there's preferential treatment anyway so that's the plot at a very you know large like backed out point of view uh, episode by episode you start to see mm-hmm. little it's a very character driven piece there's a lot of interaction between um who gets along there's a lot of backstabbing and talking behind people's backs mm. and with the upstairs family there's a lot of interplay between the sisters and uh, some of them want to know why they shouldn't be allowed to be the heir and why do they have to marry some random guy they've never met before just to keep the title in their family and um so the reason why I picked it and the reason why I think you guys might like it is because number one, the acting is really good. Yeah. Uh, number two, the writing is really good. Okay. And it's one of those shows where plot wise, there's not a lot going on. It's, it's a character piece and it's a look at what happens when two very different classes of people are forced together to basically live and interact with each other in this one house. Okay. And it's also a period piece, so you get a slice of life out of another time that we're not familiar with. Mm. There's some really funny um, references to America because the mother of the family is actually American, which is a big deal in and of itself, that the yeah. father has married an American woman. Yeah. So we get to see a little bit through her point of view and see how this world works differently than how things work in America, even at this time. Mm-hmm. So series one, which came out, um, like I said, in... Um, 2010 it's only seven episodes long that's not too bad so i decided since jeff's seen a couple let's go for it guys let's watch i saw a couple like 10 years ago yeah so rewatch them <laughs> and then watch the rest of season one it's not that big of a deal it's dense it's a lot it is but it's it's good so okay. i'm asking you to watch season one the first seven episodes of downton abbey where's this available Downton Abbey is available streaming on Amazon Prime. Um, I'm sure it's the whole series, but definitely the first season is available. Okay. Uh, I also have it on Blu-ray. That's how I'll be watching it because, you know. For you fancy pants. I love it. It's good. It's really good. I hope so. I, I want to be talked into this because I've, I've heard nothing but good things from you and some other people that were really into it. I mean, it is time. critically acclaimed. So. Yeah. It's good. It's it, real it's prestige Um And... 
and hopefully you guys will be talked into it and we can all go see the movie together and we could wear tuxedos. Oh, I would de- I would F with a tuxedo. You are real loud right well, now. Well, I got excited, Dan. Okay. Now I'm just going to pretend I'm talked into it so I we mean, can have <laughs> tux time with the boys. If you want to rent a tuxedo and wear it while you watch the TV show in your home, that would be fine too. I think I'm going to have to do that while eating chips and fried foods. Sounds good. Ooh. So when we come back, I will be finding out if Jimmy and Jeff are talked into Downton Abbey and we'll be spoiling season one or if you're British series one (laughs) only if you're British all right boys (laughs) that's a new one I'm trying out different things every episode. He's testing. You just got to <laughs> dip your toes in the water. You got to acclimate to your fan base. True. Fan base? <laughs> All the Jeff bros out there. There's a lot of Jeff bros out there are like, wonder what his catchphrase is going to be. Hope it's not all right, bros. Uh, Downtown Abbey. No. Downtown Abbey. Right. Okay. I watched the wrong show. Hold on. Pause. Uh-oh. I got to go back. <laughs> Um, you got really into Downtown Abbey, though, right? <laughs> yeah, I was talked into it. Like it's about Abby from Broad City, right? Living downtown away from Alana. Exactly. It was Abby from Broad City, the fictional character. Yeah. And then Abby Elliott, the real actress from SNL, who's Chris Elliott's daughter. Oh, cool. And they, it was the two Abbies living in an apartment in Greenwich Village, right downtown. Downtown Downtown Abbeys, right next. They moved into Taylor Swift's apartment, which she sold. Cool. I'm told. And that's that's the show I watched. Loved it. Too far. Great. Downton Abbey. <laughs> Downton Abbey. We takes... should say we're going to be spoiling all seven episodes of the first season. Seven episodes. Season series one. Yeah. And it, it starts in April 1912. Yeah. And we find out that the James Cameron film happened. Titanic. <laughs> well, let's get into a little housekeeping. We're not going to get go episode by episode super granular here we're gonna go over like the big story arc yeah it's it's such a dense show that there is a lot happening like on the surface you say like what is this show about it is sort of soap opera-y like about the family and the staff yeah but within that if you look at those events as plot well there's 400 characters in this show and there's (laughs) a lot of plot even though they're not like car chases (laughs) So yeah. continue. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. So we find out that the Titanic sinks through a telegraph. Yeah. Which telegram? Is... Telegram. Yes. My bad. The, the television. <laughs> telegraph <laughs> was if out. they knew it was going yes. to crash. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Through a telegram. I thought that whole opening sequence was really a cool way to show how information spreads throughout this house, like gossip, like wildfire. It's just like from one person to the next, one person to the mm. next. Before it even gets to, like, the Lord and Lady, like, the whole staff knows. Right. Yeah. First impressions I got was, oh, yeah, this is British. This is filmed in 25 frames per second and not 24 frames per second. I don't know what that means or You're how welcome. you could tell. I couldn't tell because I watched a really crappy DVD copy. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Jon Snow's wife is in it, I yeah. wrote down. Rose Leslie. Yes. Whom I love. She's... And I think she's better in this show than she was in Game of Thrones. She's good. Yeah. Yeah. She played an American in a horror movie I watched. Terrible accent. Oh. Uh, pretty early on. So uh, while this is sort of happening, this Titanic news is spreading through the house. We also see the arrival of Mr. Bates, uh, who yes. is going to be the new... I don't think he's a footman. I forget what his title is. 
Do you remember? I don't remember mm. the title, but he's working for the the staff of the house. He's like well, the, I think he's the head footman because he's working for the Lord. The Lord. Yeah, yeah. he has a different title though, not footman. I'll have to think about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's basically like his the Lord's personal like butler, attache, like whatever you want to call him. Um and he he's questioned whether he can do the job or not because he has some some war wounds. Yeah, he has a physical disability. He's walks with a cane and he has a limp. He trips and it's not very slapsticky, so I didn't laugh. Well, that's later, but um <laughs> I thought his arrival was an interesting way to show the hierarchy of the staff. Did you notice certain people on the staff get called by their first names and certain people of the staff get called by their last names? I actually yeah. didn't notice that. Oh, and there's a third level of people who get called by Mr. or Mrs. in their last name. So the butler and the head housemaid are uh, Mr. Carson. Yes. And Mrs. O'Brien. No, that's just O'Brien. Oh, she yeah, is the lady's name. Because that's her first name, right? No, O'Brien is her last name, but she doesn't yeah, get a missus. Yeah, because I was confused because I was like, O'Brien's the last name, but why are they calling her O'Brien? Yeah, and then the lesser people like Thomas and William get called by their first name. So, yeah. Um, and Bates. Sometimes he's called Mr. Bates, but by um, the lord of the house, Mr. Crawley, he's referred to as Bates. So he's at the level of O'Brien. So I did write down in all caps pretty early in my notes that I'm not going to remember any names. Yeah, I same. was right because there's a lot <laughs> of very generic names and a lot of characters. So I, I'm pretty much know the faces, but yeah, I'm I try to write down the names. Like I I've seen the whole series, so I remember them more than you. But Mrs. Hughes is the head housemaid. I did. That's right. Yeah. Look and I up. did write down Downton's the house. Crawleys are the family. Yeah. Which I think I messed that up in the first part of this episode. Not not calling them Downton, but I think I referred to them by a different last name. When Grantham, yeah, they're they're their uh, he's the Earl of Grantham. Exactly. So yeah. that's the title. Oh, that's their last name is Crowley, because yes. they go by Lord and Lady Grantham, right? Yes, because that's the title. That, that confused me. British aristocracy. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. There's the house, the title, and then the name. So, anyways, it's a lot. Um. So then, so this is sort of intercut with the Titanic news and the family finding out. What did you guys think of Mary, who's the eldest daughter? I mean, let's let's get back to what the overarching theme is of this first season, especially, which is that the Lord and Lady, they have three daughters. So there's a question as to who's going to inherit. Jimmy, do you remember their names? Go. Oldest to youngest. Uh, it's Mary. The second one starts with an E. I don't remember what the other one is. I don't know. So Edith? it's, it's Mary. Yeah, there's an E one I didn't remember. And Edith. then... Sybil, I found yeah, out, Sybil. is the third yeah. one's name in the last episode because I couldn't remember. <laughs> so they have these three daughters, and there's a question as to who will inherit not only the fortune, but also the, the title, which comes with the house. Yeah. Right. So uh, long story short, the title was basically penniless. And then when Mr. Crawley, who's the father, when he was a young man, he purposely married an American woman who's the mother, Cora. Mm-hmm. Because she yeah, was I couldn't wealthy. Tell at first if she was just doing like a bad British accent. Yeah, no, they they let you know yeah. later on that she was American. So he was that was an arranged marriage. Basically, this was a thing that actually happened in that time. Mm-hmm. American families who were wealthy, they wanted some of the esteem of aristocracy, so they would marry children away to British lords and ladies, and give a huge dowry to make it worth their while. So that's why. Uh, Lord Crowley's father set this up so that they could get some of her wealth into the family. Now, the problem is they did not have a son as an heir. So all this woman's wealth is going to pass to 
a stranger, basically. Yeah. So they want Mary to get married to a cousin. Right. And that was all set and planned to go. She was engaged. Um, they had two cousins. Um, and I forget their names. It doesn't matter. They're never in the show. <laughs> yep. Or are they? Anyways, uh, they die in the Titanic, on the Titanic. And what did you guys think of Mary's reaction to she finding out that her fiance like, died? She was like, oh, no. Yeah, her, she was like, do I have to go into mourning? Full mourning, yeah. yeah. I was like, cold-blooded. Well, I mean, it's arranged. Like, yeah, it's your cousin, but like, you know. It, it was kind of funny how they talked about the Titanic in this in this uh, show. But it's unsinkable! <laughs> um, but... Uh, like uh, somebody was looking through the newspaper and it wasn't even front page news. Yeah. I thought that was like really interesting. Well, because it became like a, a tale of folklore. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it happened and it was. Also, I don't know like when the information was like seeping out. I don't know how much they knew, like how bad it was. There seemed to yeah. be a question of how many survivors there were. Mm -hmm. And uh, also there was that whole like sexist thing where, like, oh, at least they protected the lady folk and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you start sexist. I say chivalrous. Yeah. Well, to an extent, <laughs> um, there, there's also this, uh, start of a rift that we can see between Mary and Edith because the, the subplot, the backstory is that Edith was the one that was actually in love with Mary's fiance, but Mary being the eldest daughter was the one that was chosen to marry him. Uh, I, love your I family. don't even remember that. So that's why she was more upset than Mary was. Yeah. I just knew that they were catty towards each other. Yeah, so there's like a lot of that for different rivalry. reasons. But that's definitely the start of it in the focus of the series. Um, we also get some early on scenes between one of the footmen, Thomas, and O'Brien, who is the head ladies maid. And uh, what I wrote down is this alliance is extremely bitchy. <laughs> and yeah. i love it it's like exactly what you want they're just like smarmy and like standing in the background smoking just cigarettes and gossiping and yeah and they're just like talking about like how shitty it is to like like we don't even care about the titanic and stuff like that that goes on through the whole season oh yeah. i love it which which is pretty good they remind me of the two old men in the muppets show <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind they of just sit there complaining and like I did have a problem. So, like, up until this point, even a little further into the episode, I'm taking a lot of notes. This was the most difficult show on Talk Me Into so far to take notes to. Because, I mean, like, we're doing seven episodes. I can't remember everything. So, we do take notes on everything. Mm -hmm. But it felt at one point like I was just, like, writing a book report. Yeah. And I was I started to pay more attention to the notes than the show. So, I had to write less notes. And I don't know if that it's helped going me or to hinder you. Yeah. So, I don't. We're We're going to be talking about things. But. I might be forgetful. I try to write as much as I could yeah. down, but I did want to watch the show. It is hard because um, what's important. We talked about what, what, what are what are you guys going to talk about? What yeah. what are the big yeah. threads? Because there might be something that I'm taking a lot of notes on that doesn't matter. And there's also certain things that don't necessarily matter to the plot, but are cool character beats that you want to bring up. Right. Mm -hmm. Like for me, um, the next thing I have in my notes is the introduction of Maggie Smith as the Dowager Countess. Yeah, I said the Sorting Hat Harry Potter lady is yeah, well McGonagall. Fudge. I literally just wrote down Maggie Smith is a national treasure, dude. She is so good. This she steals <laughs> this entire show, in my opinion. Um, plus, she sort of launches this whole like espionage plot to establish Mary as the heiress. So, so after they found out that the heir is dead. It's pretty much known that they're going to have to bring in this other guy, this Matthew Crawley guy, who's none of them has even really met. Daredevil. Yeah. I forgot he was in it. 
Not that guy. That's not him? No. Charlie Cox, Cox, talking? Charlie Cox is in this episode, but he is, that's not who we're talking about. No. Oh, Matthew's a blonde dude. Yeah, at the very end of the he's episode. He's going to marry Mary. Yeah, he was in Beauty and the Beast and... Uh, it's a tale as old as time. Legion. It's a the tale not as old as time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah. You guys have to have thoughts on Maggie Smith. Dowager Countess is such a good character. Oh, yeah, I love she's, her. She's good. She's she's her own team. And they basically decide that they're going to try to break this uh, old-fashioned law and name her as the heiress so that she would uh, basically inherit the, the funds, the money, and the title. Yeah. No matter who she marries. Oh, you mean Mary? Yes. Yes, I thought you meant who Mary marries. The old lady. No. Like, she's about to die anyway. No, do you understand her relation? She's the Dowager Countess because... Nah, I I still don't get how she's involved. She's Lord Crawley's mother, but his father has passed away. All right. So she's kept... She's kept around. But she has, like, a separate house. She's, like, the old queen mother type. Uh, And then... I wrote down one of my notes. Jeff alluded to it earlier, but there is nothing crueler than kicking Bates's leg out from under him when they're meeting. Oh man, yeah. that visiting because uh, they want to. Like, I think he's a duke, which is what Jeff's referring to—the guy who played Daredevil. Yes, he's someone. He's someone big. Some big to do. A sidetrack over here. What do you guys think of the like set design, costuming, all the period piece stuff? I was gonna get to that after like the first oh, okay. stuff, but I mean, I guess we're doing it in a weird format. I think that's the the shining star of the show. Yeah, I really um, love the uh, the bell system that they have on there. I thought that looked really that cool. is cool. I like how uh, there's a lot done in the show to show how different the lives are between these two groups of people. Yeah, and like one of the smallest ones that I didn't even pick up on until I rewatched it was. Okay, when they're in the the dining hall for the staff downstairs, the bell system is like super rudimentary and just like bare bones. It's literally just like a chunk of wood with wires with bells hanging off them so they can hear it. But then when you go upstairs and you see what those bells are connected to, mm-hmm. they're these ornate velvet sashes that like hang from the ceiling. So the the rich people just like pull on this gentle velvet sash and then <laughs> yeah. downstairs it's like Bring! Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's probably the highlight of the show is how good like it's set in that period. Like it, it seems super authentic. Yeah, yeah. The the set, the vehicles, the costuming yeah. is really great. And Dan mentioned he didn't like the score, but at first, I that I really noticed that because I thought it was really full and just worked well. But as the series went on, it kind of I didn't notice it. So I don't yeah. know if it's bad or maybe it's good because I didn't, it didn't I like really the, stand out. I like the score. It, it sort of reminds me of the Westworld theme song. I don't know why that that just yeah. kind of popped up in, in my brain. It's not I... that the individual parts are bad. There's moments where they use the score to dramatic effect that I think is cheesy. Like mm. a character will have like a turn to camera and the music will be like, da, na, 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 and then it'll like cut <laughs> to a commercial. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, like with the bell system and the juxtaposition of the servants, to the the family i do like that aspect of the show because it's like the every character on this show like sucks kind of they all have like their <laughs> own shit going on and it doesn't matter how rich they are like everybody wants something and everybody has their own problems mm-hmm. and they do a good job of editing i guess those storylines together and then when that duke daredevil <laughs> shows yeah. up him and Mary are exploring the servants' quarters, kind of like it's a game. Like, haha, look how these people live. This yeah. is so funny. And then, super cringy. It's so cringy, and it it sucks because like that 
it's just like you're rich mm-hmm. and you live above them for doing not for being born you're just better yeah. than these people that and i think are working here and they get called out for it and like mary kind of feels bad and makes excuse but the duke's like who cares like these people are not yeah he's like why did you apologize to him yeah that's stupid you pay them um and there is this aspect of like in a later episode it's reflected by even mr carson who's the head butler he says like someone questions like why did you go in my room and he's like none of these are your rooms these are the crawley's yes. rooms and say that. I think the first time we see the staff accommodations is when Bates arrives and they show him his room and it's so it's stark and yeah. bare compared yeah. to like gray. where the family lives. It is really crazy. It's like servant quarters. And you know, if you know anything about this period in British history, they're in a really weird intermediary stage between classic serfdom, which was basically like slavery, like he was the lord of that land and he commanded people to do what he deemed fit. Mm-hmm. And now they're like paying these people, but they're definitely not entitled to the same rights, the same yeah. privileges, anything like that. And you could see like flashes of them wanting more. So it's, I like socialism plays a big part. Yeah. I like where this series takes place because we're right in this sort of like gray area between these two starkly opposing viewpoints. I mean, you even get that later on, you know, we're not sticking totally chron- chronologically here. With the youngest daughter, Sybil, and she's going to, like, women's suffrage protests, and then her father flips out. Yeah. Like, you don't need to do that. Why are you doing this? Um, But she wants wants to help people, and there is that class difference. Uh, The other thing early on, you see, since we're already talking about the Duke and Mary, is that he's got a little side thing going on with Thomas. Yeah. In secret, and there's some, like, there's some blackmailing going on. Yeah, I don't remember if that was happening in episode one or two. That was episode episode one. one, They do kind of blur together. But episode two, there's another thing with Thomas that comes up. There's the Turkish guy. So we we do find out pretty early on that um, Thomas is gay. Yeah. But that's not like accepted. But it's also like, as we see later on, other characters allude to Yeah, like O'Brien knows. Yeah. Yeah. And um, even some of the people who aren't as close to him, like Mrs. Patmore, the cook, yep. she tells Daisy, like, he's not a ladies' man. Like, yeah. You shouldn't be interested in him. Um, do you guys want to get into some stuff from episode two? Yeah, just keep moving on. We don't need to break it down by Yeah, episode. sure. So at the end of the first episode, we finally um, get the introduction of... Harriet Jones, Prime Minister. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Did you recognize that? I did write Jeff that down. That joke. And, and I, I believe on every British actor ever is in uh, the show. On our Doctor Who episode, I was like, oh, I know for her, her from Downton Abbey. Well, oh, here really? she is. <laughs> That's funny. She's Mrs. Crawley, the mother of Matthew Crawley, who is- Talk me into is complete. Yes. Finish the circuit. <laughs> the end. The loop is closed. Matthew Crawley is going to be the new heir, which is weird. He's like a third cousin once removed, but apparently that's the closest man to Lord yeah. Crawley. Um. And he's not a bad guy. They're all worried about him. But he's like a regular... He's sort of a self-made man, which is very foreign to all this. They're middle class, but upper middle class. Yes. And <laughs> is he's that the a, guy who worked on the farm? Or is that another blonde guy? Worked on the farm. I think it's another blonde guy. Yeah, I don't they know. They all look about. the same. They're all I white. mean, Jeff, this, Matthew this is Crawley is show. one of the main characters of the series. Yeah. <laughs> he was, he's a solicitor, which do you guys know what that term like is? a lawyer. Yeah, he's a lawyer. Yeah. Which they oh, yeah, I was talk so much shit about, but is today regarded as one of the better <laughs> professions you can yeah. have. Because um, they're not just sitting around doing nothing all day. 
Yeah, there's an awesome moment in episode two when uh, Matthew attends his first dinner at Downton Abbey where he's having a conversation at the dinner table with the Dowager Countess about what it's like to work and what is a weekend. Oh, yeah. I did like that scene a lot. Because to them, one day is the same as the next. And she brings yeah. it up later on, too. And she's like, this guy's talking about weekends. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't fit in with us. Yeah. Um, Like something that becomes a reoccurring thing is these the series ends up having this structure which is incredibly like sad for the people that live this lifestyle nearly their entire life their entire day is based on dinner like yeah. getting dressed yeah, and so preparing for dinner <laughs> yeah like, but i like you and i we like food like my wife is from the south and when she moved here she's like oh i want to go to boston i want to go to philly i want to go to these places i've never been and i was like cool let's go she's like oh what's there to do in philly i'm like oh you can get cheesesteaks yeah we only related to what you can eat i was like we know this good place over here that has this food there's this market and she's like okay but what else and i'm like i don't don't know (laughs) yeah i mean but theirs isn't even about the food i don't think that much it's just about like that's the event of the day yeah Yeah. well because you need something to structure your life even if your life is just leisure and hunting and horseback riding yeah and those are only special occasions though (laughs) and you want to talk about costuming there's a thing that comes into play in future episodes where they literally like even have specific types of tuxedos that they wear at different events i love their bow ties though yeah like i want to wear my bow ties like like them to work there's an episode later on where a character like loses his luggage or something and he he winds up having to attend dinner in uh, a tuxedo with a black tie rather than <laughs> what they tri- typically wear if you notice they wear white it's like a white and silvery a, yeah kind of tie. like an ivory colored right. tie and that's vest. what i like yeah and uh it's a big faux pas that he has to show up to dinner in a black tie and a black vest people think that's outrageous People just need things in their lives. Even exactly, all they have to do is exist, and everything is given to them. But they just need something so their brains don't go crazy because they don't have the internet to pass time. Yeah, and I think they do a good job of establishing Matthew Crawley early on as like a redeemable person because he does not seem that interested in the estate or marrying Mary or anything. At he's first. just like, yeah, he's just like along for the ride, and yeah, he sort of wants to just not even take it on i think what did you guys think of him as a character i thought he was a pretty it was cool to see him sort of in the the middle of uh the um the upstairs and downstairs as you call it like he's sort of like in the middle of it because he's not like he's kind of being forced to like having these dinners with these people he really doesn't want to be with Mm -hmm. um which i found really interesting i i thought in this episode specifically um, I started to really appreciate the actors and the the characters and stuff in this in this show. Um, like Mr. Carson is probably my favorite character in this show. He's awesome. He's so good. I could listen to him talk all day. Mm. Uh, he just has a really good voice. And Maggie Smith is great. She had one of my favorite lines was, "I have plenty of friends that I don't like." <laughs> I thought that was great too. Um, Carson has a cool subplot in this episode. Yeah, too. yeah. So uh, we find out that Carson was uh, being shamed blackmailed basically yeah being blackmailed by his former uh performer partner yeah they used to perform on stage and everyone's like did you dance like did you sing (laughs) they were like because he's so the opposite of that yeah yeah but yeah they were like a song and dance duet group yeah i just remember what their name was nope (laughs) oh i have to look it up now it was the something charlie's the happy charlie's or something um but yeah so obviously it's clear that this guy is blackmailing him and stuff and he shows up at Downton Abbey. Yeah, yeah. And uh 
there's this cool confrontation in um in the library where they actually bring in Lord Crawley and yeah. like Mr. Carson is so like mortified yeah. that this is coming to light and everything. And I don't really know what's obviously like it's embarrassing for Carson. He doesn't want to be known for that. Yeah. But we see later on in the series that there's other people on the staff that have had way worse things in their past. So what was this guy's goal? Like he's like, if you don't give me this money, I'm going to tell people that you're a song and dance man. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's just, his, it's, it's his job and where he lives. Yeah. Like think about if you had to live with everybody you worked with, like when your shift he was gave over, his you lived with that <laughs> resignation. And then, yeah, just he, like this embarrassing stuff comes up from your past. It, I get it. They were the cheerful Charlies, which cheerful is a great. Gr- I really want to name a band that. Um, I'm down. Let's do it. Let's do some ragtime shit. Yeah, and uh, I'll play tambourine. What's funny though is that Mr. Crawley hears all this and he's just like, "Okay," and he's like, "Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you what does he say, twenty pounds or something like that." Yeah, and you don't have to pay it back. Yeah, and he's like, "Just never come back here again." Yeah, and the guy's like. He's like, oh, what if I tell everyone anyways? Who's going to believe you over me? I'm like the Lord of Downton Abbey. (laughs) Yeah. And the the guy's like, he basically like says like, oh, your day's coming. It's not going to be too long before we're at the same level or something like that. Yeah. Which is another one of those little moments that sort of shows you that this may not be the way things are going to be forever. I do love the integration of technology in the show. Oh, I, so I good. Could, I could watch an entire show of them being amazed by different technology. Yep. I don't want to, well, it's not a spoiler, but eventually they get a telephone in their house. Yeah. And Carson practicing using the phone and accidentally talking to the operator makes me laugh so hard. Oh, it's I so thought good. that was so funny. There was another part, I think it was still episode two, where uh, Lady Grantham snuck up on the the help or the servant uh, yeah. like on their lunch mm-hmm. to call out O'Brien. I forgot about what, but I like the scene cause she walks in and they're all eating lunch and just speaking freely amongst themselves. And they said something she didn't like and she gets upset at them and it became a thing. Cause like, where is, where do these people's personal lives? Start? Exactly. They yeah. have no free space. Not at all. Even though like technically they're free and this is a job and they get housed, they can't say anything they want without fear of losing their livelihood yeah Yeah, there's another moment like that in episode one when um so when bates shows up people are like why did they hire this guy he's like disabled he's handicapped whatever then the father lord crawley shows up downstairs which is a big deal you get the idea that they don't go downstairs very much oh and they all stood up yeah they like like, vault to their feet yes you could say and he's like Bates how are you like obviously these guys have a past and then it becomes clear to the rest of the staff oh that's why this guy is around because he's like friends yeah with the with the lord um so I think it was it was either episode two or episode three where we start to get I believe it was episode two where we get Mrs. Crawley's involvement with the local hospital yeah trying to save the man who's got dropsy which is a yeah which is an awesome name for a, a <laughs> yeah. disease yeah it's a it's a tuning a as decision. well it's a what it's a tuning for a guitar as yeah well. dropsy <laughs> yeah um and she's like she was a nurse her husband was a doctor and she's encouraging them to bring a little bit of new innovation to this local small village hospital and eventually um Basically, like, Lord Crawley says, oh, you know, we need to make the Crawley family, the mother and son, feel a little bit more home at home here. So let's give her something to do. Yeah. So they decide to name her to as uh, chairman of the board of directors, which was a position previously only held 
by the Dowager Countess. Yeah, Maggie Smith. Which she is not too happy about. <laughs> yeah. There was so much shade, so much pursing of lips when that was announced. I thought that was an awesome scene. Yeah, so in episode 3-2, we also get the um, uh, the Turkish guy. I don't remember his name. Pamuk. Pamuk. Uh, Pamuk. They're visiting. He's not a dude. I don't know what He's he the is. son of the <laughs> Turkish ambassador. Yeah. Right. They're visiting Downton Abbey. I don't remember exactly why, but I'm I'm assuming it's basically to uh, uh, present himself to um, what's her name, not, Mary. Not Panu- Pamuk, but Napier. Napier. He is uh, some level of lorddom. Okay. So he's anyway, the one. They go on a hunt. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah they come yeah. back all I dirty. I do remember that. And then they have to get ready for this lavish dinner that they have every night, and. Thomas is kind of flirting with him. And you think at first he's welcoming these advances. And then Thomas touches his face. And you forget yourself. He was not having it. (laughs) Slapped his hand, but then very quickly forgot about it and decided to use this to his advantage and pretty much blackmail Thomas. Um, If you don't get me close to Mary, I will tell everybody what you try to do. Yeah. Yeah, He says later on this evening, I'm going to need a, what does he call it he needs layouts of the yeah house. but he says it in a funny way he's like geographical information of the home or something like that yeah i thought the first time i saw him like he's gonna rob these people that's weird yeah and then i thought damn that's racist of you <laughs> but anyways um so I'm yeah i'm pretty sure he's of british descent and he's just like in turkey uh, as like uh no it's the opposite he's of turkish descent in england no but like the the british were everywhere yeah. Back then, I think that they were just placed there because they were like, no, that, I don't know. That man was of Turkish I'm, descent. I'm not a history guy. <laughs> Anyways, what you're alluding to is that after some flirtations during the hunt, Pamuk sneaks into Mary's room that night. Napier. No. You just said Napier. Pamuk. First you said Pamuk, then you said Napier. Napier is Re- being presented as a marriage proposal, but what she's really Regardless interested in is Regardless of Pamuk. the name, yes, sneaks into the room, convinces her. To hand over her V-card. Well, I don't think they go quite that far. but No, they do. Because then they talk, it's like a running thing throughout the rest of the season. Well, the mom finds out because the sister I think they fool the around. What do you think, Jim? You think they no, went all the way? No, she 100% uh, lost her virginity. I don't know. Because it became a thing. And then later they're talking to the- It became a thing that she was, uh, uh, she was like spoiled. But I don't think yes, anyone knew exactly. Yes, that's what it meant. Yeah, yeah. they did 100%. Well, that's what people are going to assume when someone dies <laughs> in their room. Because even the old lady was like, oh, when she walks down the aisle, everybody who walks down the aisle has secrets. Yeah. Well, regardless, she I'm had gonna... sex. She had sex. Mary had sex with a Turkish man. <laughs> regardless, I'm gonna have to bleep this out, but so good it killed him. <laughs> yeah. I I wrote down that some bomb ass. Because <laughs> I'm glad dude, we had the same thought. Because you see him going for it, and then it fades to black, and then it fades back, and this dude dead. Yeah. Yeah. And he was pretty fit and young, but his heart exploded. <laughs> yeah. Mary's just that good. <laughs> and then there is an awesome caper of three small women <laughs> dragging a dead Turkish man through a gigantic house back to his room. And they try to close his eyes, which I thought that you could just easily do that. Who knows? Yeah, I guess it, if Rick and Morty thought that as well, but it didn't work. Um, There's some great, great moments in this. It's it's super dark and funny. And yeah, there's a moment. This is actually earlier, I think, um, when the. When the mother and Mary's mother and father, the Lord and Lady, are discussing Mary's 
marriage to Napier. This is what I was sort of getting at is they yeah. want this to happen. They're discussing it with the Dowager Countess and um, they're like, are you afraid you'll be confused for American if you speak openly? <laughs> I love this image they have of Americans that were just like brutish and like yeah. I, I mean, they're brass and loud and stuff. not really wrong. Oh, and there's more good stuff. Wait till they start to introduce more American characters. Oh boy. It's epic. Um, there's a fantastic line from the Dowager Countess when she finds out that Pamuk has died and under what circumstances? Napier. No. <laughs> yeah, it's Pamuk. I'm telling you. Napier I'm kidding. Is, the, is the white English guy. I don't care. I'm ready to just quit this podcast. Right now. <laughs> okay. She says, no Englishman would dream of dying in someone else's home. Yeah. I love all that stuff. And this is where you see that uh, Mr. Bates is trying to fix his leg a little bit, and he gets a brace. The limp corrector. Yeah, and it just destroys his leg. Yeah. It tears him up. Yeah, it's really gross. And it's pretty graphic, and then they end up throwing the, le- the brace in a lake, <laughs> which was kind of funny. It's also my least favorite acting of the entire series. All the times when he turns to the side and winces out of nowhere are like, <laughs> mm, I don't know if that's really how pain works. <laughs> Because he's not like moving or putting weight on it. All of a sudden, he's just, like mid sentence, and he goes, mm. and I'm like, really, really, Bates? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Seems like a little bit of an attention grab there. He's just like talking to someone, and then they're like, "What's the matter?" Episode four. <laughs> yeah, there's like a fair going on, but uh, <laughs> there's like a fair going on. <laughs> I don't okay, know. Beavis. I, I did write down that I'm 12 minutes in and didn't write one note. I don't think I think it might be because I nothing was interesting oh, to me. Oh, there is a scene in the beginning of this episode that is literally my favorite series of the entire series. Favorite scene, scene. of the entire series, which what is, is Maggie Smith's Dowager Countess discovering swivel chairs. <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't remember oh that my gosh! Go back and rewatch it just for this moment when she goes into Matthew Crawley's office to discuss with him if it's possible to break this inheritance. Yeah, she sits down in his chair, assuming it'll be stable, and it swivels, and she's like, Ooh. she like nearly falls, and she's like, "What the devil is this?" And he's like, "It's called a swivel chair," and she's like, "You youth are far too comfortable with change." She's like, "Who would need such an invention?" The only other thing I got out of this episode was that it shows that Mary wants to be the heiress without having to like do anything, uh, and she doesn't want to marry Matthew and have... I mean, can you really blame her? No, no, I, I don't blame her, but that's what I'm just saying I got First from of all, the episode. idea of like inheritance is stupid it's anyways. It's so dumb. Yeah. But I kind of like that she's like, why do I have to marry someone? If it's my family's money and my mother's money, like, shouldn't it just go to, to me and my sisters? Like, yeah. They kind of play her off as like a bitch throughout the early part of the season, but like as it goes along and as the series, you can kind of see where she's coming from. Yeah. She's not an easy person to get along with, but she also like has a right to be that way. Mm-hmm. I like her as, as, as the season goes on. I, I start to like her more and more. They definitely do some character redemption for her, I think. Really? Well, I mean, you can see like in the beginning, she's very unlikable. Yeah. And I think they start to show you a little bit more of that depth. Like, imagine if your entire life you were just told, like, you're only here to marry someone. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you don't do that right, you're a failure. Yeah. That's true. I do like how in pretty much every episode we watch, we we do get more background story on um, the servants in the house. Yeah. Um, which I, I like because they're definitely taking some 
what could be two-dimensional characters and giving them a little bit more depth. No, they're the ones with dimension. Yeah. The family don't have dimension. Like, well, yeah, I mean, they but, do, but like just looking on the outside, right? You see just this rich family up yeah. here. And what what experience do they have in the world? Yeah, None. but I'm saying that they're taking like stereotypes like, oh, we have the zany cook and then we're going to give her backstory. Like yeah. she's, she's yeah. going blind, you know? I I like that we do get more and more backstory yeah, yeah, with these characters, with you. and you get more in this episode with J- uh, Daisy's uh, fascination or attraction to Thomas over William, who likes yeah. her, which brought back so many painful high school memories. <laughs> <laughs> like, how many times have you been William and been like, "Why does she like Thomas?" Yeah, I, yeah uh, up until I got married, every day, <laughs> a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that in oh, the yeah. world, and. Um, I also like talking. One thing I wanted to sort of allude to as well is I, I've used the term upstairs, downstairs, and you guys have taken to call referring to it's, that. It's yeah. easy to refer to it that way. Yes. I didn't come up with that. That's there was a series. I think it's from the 80s on BBC called Upstairs, Downstairs, which was sort of it was definitely a predecessor to Downton Abbey. Yeah. In the way it juxtaposed characters. Well, from this, this type of show isn't new or groundbreaking. It no. just happened to just become so popular yeah yeah across seas too well it's done it's executed well and it was yeah just, but, but it's not like a new genre it's like no, just no. A, a regular pbs masterpiece yeah. yeah uh series and then like another staff storyline that i liked in this episode with the fair was mrs hughes being romanced yeah. by that widow widower yeah, yeah. that was, was just the cutest yeah and also heartbreaking towards the end too where she she can't like uh I don't know, she can't leave. It's hard. Know? It's a whole different life. Yeah. I think she wanted to, but that's a big change. Yeah. This is what she's known her entire adult life. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that in this episode, you start to get a sense that um, the <laughs> the inheritance, this big, huge pressing issue. It's the arc of the season. And in a more poorly written series it could have easily been the wedge that drives mary and matthew's characters apart yeah but instead they do a cool thing where they use it to bring them together because he empathizes with her and he's like listen i'm not trying to steal this away from you in fact the dowager countess goes to him to try to figure out how to give his (laughs) inheritance to her yeah and he tries like i thought it was a really cool way to subvert that natural plot type um and I also really loved when the Dowager Countess got her comeuppance on Mrs. Crawley. Because Mrs. Crawley, you start to like her in the first couple of episodes. You're like, oh, she's trying to help the hospital and she wants to be involved and do the right thing. But she gets to be a bit of a know-it-all. Yeah. And when the Dowager Countess is like, oh, that rash on Mosley's hands. It's an allergy. Yeah, it's just an allergy to these flowers. You're just giving him all this medicine for no reason. Yeah. And then we're going to... Uh, I have one last thought oh, for this okay. episode. Never mind. I wrote one word for the last note. Okay. Pants. He yeah. exclamation point. <laughs> I wrote the same thing. He says that. she's wearing pants. Because the whole episode, Sybil's been trying to get this this gown made. And while she's like oh, working yeah, towards yeah, yeah. it, she's also learning about like, you know, feminism and the woman's right to vote. And she's attending protests. Well, that comes up in a couple episodes too. Yeah. Like, yeah. So when she shows up with her new gown, it's pants. And the entire family is stunned. <laughs> well, yeah. and also this show isn't like... It's not just taking place over a week. It's like a two-year period. Oh, yeah. So in the next couple episodes, it's two years later, and then she's going to suffrage protests, which yeah. you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. They move a lot of time. That's common throughout the entire series. It's so crazy because obviously their actors are all going to look the same, but like 
Maggie Smith, her character is still keeping on, huh? Mm. Like I saw the preview for the movie. I'm like, she's still in this show. Mm. I thought that was crazy. Oh yeah. You need her. There's no Downton Abbey without the Dowager Countess. Yeah. But then you wanted to talk about the next episode, I think. Yeah. So this episode, we, we get a little bit more of uh, Bates backstory and how he was previously married and we also find out that he was kicked out or arrested something with that from the navy uh he was in the military i forget military. which branch but he was yeah. arrested he stole something but yes i don't think they say what we we find out that he stole something but then um i don't remember her name anna i think yep um anna and the the cook have to go um to the the eye hospital oh you're skipping a lot are we that's i mean we skipped so much like we skipped over yeah that's the last we episode. skipped over the wilding trying to get a job like there's so much stuff yeah rose over. leslie's character gwen there's so much to talk about we can't hit everything oh that's so. right I, I i wrote down that the, the the cook is going blind but we skip that skips to like the last episode where that happens okay so episode five we find out the cook is going blind i don't yeah. remember that much else from that episode uh, well, this is sort of where Jeff was going. We had seen in an early episode that Rose Leslie's character, Gwen, was taking a correspondence course and was typing. Oh, yeah, that's like, right. She got a typewriter. And there was a big, huge issue about that. I was like, seriously? <laughs> but I guess the thing is, people in service, they are prone to feeling that people are looking down upon them. So yeah. the idea that she wants to advance herself beyond the service industry is very like, it's an they feel like attacked i mean yeah. that that still happens now i just yeah i just switched jobs and when <laughs> i gave my two weeks my old boss is like where are you going and then i told him and he was like oh oh you'll like it very low margin there i was like oh what that's a, that's a dick thing to say <laughs> like yeah he like he had the same feeling like oh you're moving up and i'm lower than you it, yeah. a lot of people feel the same way yeah but um, we do get into Mrs. Patmore's failing eyesight yeah. in a really funny way. I love the scene where she accidentally <laughs> puts salt in the dessert instead of sugar. Yeah. And that doofy character, uh, Sir Anthony Strahlin, mm. he's just like this real corny old old man. And he's mm. like, <gasps> he's like, oh my God. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. And then uh, Cora, the mother of the family, she's like, everyone put your spoons down immediately. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was like probably the event of their year that little <laughs> incident yeah um this was also the episode that was mrs crawley versus the dowager countess battle of the flower show oh yeah about yeah. who is gonna win the <laughs> that, best best bloom award so i am gonna have to bow out of the conversation because the dvd you gave me stopped working halfway through this episode so i never finished it just oh, this geez. episode for now oh jeez. Uh -oh. well again this is your fault so I provided you with options to watch other than this DVD. Okay. Uh, and then I think the biggest plot point at the end of this episode is Lady Edith writing a letter to the Turkish ambassador about oh, the yes. death of his son. So that's what I miss. Yeah. Because they talk about it and I couldn't figure out. I was like, what is happening with this letter? Yeah. yeah. And, and then you find out Lady Edith wrote it, but I didn't know. Oh, yeah. She's stirring <sighs> some serious shit. Yeah. You see her writing a letter, and she you can't really see what it says, and she stuffs it in an envelope made out to the Turkish ambassador. Okay, things click now. Things make more sense. So then the next episode, um, we get some moments between Branson, the chauffeur, and Lady Sybil, who is uh, getting involved in politics, as Jeff mentioned. She's going canvassing. 
Yeah. Uh, I think he is way overstepping his bounds. Yeah. Probably shouldn't well, be doing all this. I think this. everybody in the family thinks that, except yeah. for Sybil. Yeah. And, like, the mom. Uh, there's a great line from the Dowager Countess about Edith and whether or not she should be canvassing and involved in politics. She says, she isn't entitled to her opinion and... Oh. She isn't entitled to her opinion until she's married, and then her husband will tell her what her opinion is. <laughs> I thought that was... That, that was funny. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Uh, we also do get a subplot too. We didn't really touch upon it either, but um, the uh, Maggie Smith's character does find out that um, her uh, Mary and the uh, Turkish guy got it on, and um, there there was definitely a big confrontation between Cora and um, uh, the Dowager Countess. Yeah, about I don't know that word. Whether or not Mary yeah, should be. Uh, what'd you say? Uh, yeah, I don't know the word either. Dowager. I think it's like a nice way of saying old. You, you've been saying it, but I don't know. Like, I can't picture how to spell it or yeah. pronounce it. D-O-W-A-G-E-R. Okay. I'm just going to say Maggie Smith. I think. Uh, anyways, yeah, there's some debate as to whether Mary will be disowned. Yeah, yeah. But they decide to cover it up instead because it'll bring shame upon And the this is family. the conversation they had where it's, they don't say it, but it's clear she had sex with I'm her. not debating you that she did stuff, but I don't know if she went all the way. I think she did. Could have been hand stuff. Could have been mouth stuff. I think it was genital stuff. Okay. Either way. I don't see. I don't think it was mouth stuff. I think back then there wasn't like porn to corrupt your mind. But he was exotic, Jeff. Oh, you are right. He was an exotic man from the East who was clearly like a (laughs) ladies man. Like if he could just breeze into this house and hook up like in the first day with someone in those times when people were like strict, this guy, this guy had game. That is true. (laughs) So there might have been mouth stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, kissing. Kissing, I might. Yeah, I like the stuff in this episode where <laughs> Sir Anthony Strallen chose Edith over Mary to go to the concert. The widower, right? Yeah. Yeah, and they like, and he's like just driving like, in the car and they're Rolls Royce oh, yeah. and she's all flirting with him and stuff. What if you would go with Ride for me? Yeah. I th- that's like... I'm, I'm very close to age gap, so I felt it personally. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, they're like the the weirdest funny couple but i just like that mary thought that like oh if i really wanted this guy i could have him and he was like no i'm choosing edith yeah and then at the end of this episode we get some mary and matthew stuff which just makes me go oh mary and matthew they're in love kissing cousins yeah and sybil got knocked i mean f out third cousins once removed yeah <laughs> Yeah, Sybil was at a protest that got pretty riled up. Even the protest was funny. Like, even when the protesters were, like, yelling at each other, it seemed like it was really politely. <laughs> even though, like, they're... Oh, Britain. It did come to fisticuffs. Carson but. Carson did have a funny moment in this episode where I think he was looking... I think he was looking at the uh, postcard that was going to be sent to the Turkish ambassador. Uh, that's what I got out of it. Maybe it wasn't. Um, but he was looking at something. And uh, he realized he didn't start his morning duties, and someone was like, "Mr. Carson, what are you doing?" He was like, um, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like he oh, totally yeah. forgot that he was supposed to be doing something. You haven't run the breakfast bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was really good. Oh yeah. And then the last episode takes place two years after the beginning of this series, July 1914, and you find out that Lady Grantham is pregnant, and this becomes a huge deal because yeah. it's a boy. He's the heir. Oh, and yeah. What does marriage matter? And and uh, Crowley proposed to Mary. Uh, she didn't give him an answer yet, so we're still waiting on that. Yeah, because they went to Rome, and the idea was to try to find her 
like there is a joke in the previous episode that said like oh if mary doesn't get any marriage proposals oh yeah the, the italians we'll take her to rome because there's always like a desperate italian <laughs> yeah I thought and that was funny. apparently not desperate enough this uh gossip that edith started or confirmed about pamuk's death is spreading like wildfire and lady mary is pretty untouchable yeah we see her staying with her aunt who's like is there anything you're not telling me and she's like oh no of course not yeah um, but yeah, they come back. But then this is where Mary finds out that Edith is the one who sent the letter. Mm-hmm. Just drink it up, Dan. <laughs> I needed some water. Uh, so there's this weird thing where Mary loves Matthew and I think she wants to accept, but she's a little torn because of this idea of this baby could throw everything, you know, throw a wrench in the works. Yeah. And her aunt tells her like, oh, just wait, just wait until you find out if the baby's a boy or a girl. And she gets back and tells matthew that and obviously that ain't flying yeah he's like bye yeah and (laughs) rightfully so he's like oh so you only care to marry me if if i'm the heiress yeah so yeah i was like yeah you go boy even though i was like oh i like them yeah yeah that was pretty sad um i thought this is something jimmy talked to about mrs patmore and anna going to london yes where we find more about bates backstory out yeah which is that he basically stole well he didn't steal his wife his wife stole stole from i believe a bank is what they're alluding to she worked at a bank and he she stole from there and then he took the blame for it something like that yeah yeah um basically Which we skipped over like a whole thread where he was accused of stealing wine oh yeah um, i mean throughout the first season thomas and o'brien have been trying to get rid of bates because yeah. bates stands up to thomas and bates knows that thomas was the one that actually stole the wine yeah, so literally push him up heads. against the wall and stuff. Oh too. yeah, and he's like, like I'm not tough afraid guy. of you. But he even he then defends him to uh, Carson. And he yeah, won't, he won't give him up. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is the episode with all that telephone stuff, which is just gold. <laughs> I love it. Hello, it is this funny. is Carson <laughs> Butler of Downton Abbey. Why would we have a telephone in Downton Abbey? He literally says that. It's, it's so, so great. And he's like, um, when the guy comes to install the phone, he's like, two? You want two phones in one house? What is the purpose of that? Yeah. He's like, the telephone is not a novelty. It is a useful tool. (laughs) Yeah, he did say that. And then he had no idea. Someone was like, uh, you know how to use a telephone, right, Mr. Carson? He's like, absolutely. And then he looks at it. (laughs) He's he's talking into the earpiece. (laughs) Yeah. Hello? (laughs) (laughs) He just expects there to be someone. (laughs) Yeah. so good um and then when the telephone finally rings during the garden party it scares the <laughs> shit out of everyone they're like mr carson's telephone is ringing <laughs> she says uh the cook says it's like the cry of a banshee yeah <laughs> it's that so good. good uh so during this episode and i think a little bit in the previous episode we've seen like some crosstalk between um cora the mother and the Dowager Countess about hiring a ladies' maid and where they could place an ad and if anyone has any leads on good ladies' maids. So O'Brien overhears this and thinks that she's being fired, like yeah. usurped, and they're going to hire a new ladies' maid. So she gets pissed off, and we see O'Brien go full heel. She goes full villain. Yeah. In one of the weirdest underhanded attacks I've ever seen on television. <laughs> Do you remember what I'm talking about, Jeff? I don't. So Cora was in the bath and- uh, She drops the soap. She drops the soap and then it, I guess it breaks in half. Right. And um, she was like, the other half is uh, next to the tub or whatever. O'Brien gives her the one half and she yeah. says, the other half is underneath the tub. Like, I'll get it when you get out is I'm assuming what she's alluding to. Yeah. And 
Then she takes her foot and pulls the soap across the floor, leaving a soapy, wet spot. She does this on purpose. It's very clear. Yeah. And then I she don't goes remember in, any of She this. goes into the next room. Mind you, Cora is pregnant, and she's an older woman who's pregnant. Cora tries to get out of the tub, slips and falls, and in the very next scene, we find out she's lost the baby. Yeah. And, and I feel like uh, Miss O'Brien also regretted it she like, as, soon as, as soon as it happened. As soon as, like, she's like, as soon as she hears some commotion, like Mrs. Crawley starting to get up out of the bath, she's like, wait, wait. And she does anyways, and it happens. When was this scene? This is like right before the, the garden party. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And there's, you didn't, you don't remember the scene. The, no. This is like the most important scene in yeah, the entire I show. I don't remember it. The <laughs> aftermath, um, the doctor comes down and, and, and is like talking to Mr. Crawley, and he's like crying to Matthew and saying, like, it was a boy after all. Like, it was going to be a boy, like the son he always wanted. Oh, and she they was lost four it. I guess. Yeah, she was somewhat yeah. pregnant. So they lost the baby. And then come to find out during the garden party, they weren't even replacing O'Brien. Yeah. The Dowager Countess needed a new lady's maid. Yeah. And they were like looking for a recommendation. They're like, oh, you're the best, O'Brien. And I'm like, yo, you are the worst, O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> With your little spit curls in the front of your hair. Yeah. So in the very beginning, too, we also find out that. Um, uh, I don't remember his name, but the uh, person got assassinated. Oh, Jimmy. What's Archduke his name? Franz Archduke. Ferdinand. Yes, I know who he is. I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> you know war. the guy that started the First World War? Yeah. Who is he? I'm sorry. It's a hard name to remember. We find out that happens. I'm like, oh, boy. There's a band about him? <laughs> yeah, you never heard Franz Ferdinand? The two Ferdinand? biggest no, things. No, I haven't. Um, 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 we both ummed. Yeah. Yo, this Mary versus Edith subplot is getting straight up grisly. Yeah. Lady Mary is like, I'm going to go make fun of Sir Anthony Strallen and say that you did it. He's like, she's like, <laughs> do you remember this part? He goes up to Mary and he's like, oh, where's your sister Edith? And she's like, oh, I think she's trying to avoid some old codger who said he was going to propose to her. Codger. That was funny. Wow. Yeah. What a word. I don't think she used that. I think that was me. <laughs> it was something like That's that. That's a back to the future word. Um, <laughs> But anyways, he's like, oh, really? And she's like, oh, yeah, she's been joking around about this old guy following her around and everything. And he's like, oh, I'm going to leave now. (laughs) And Edith's like, where are you going? You can't be leaving already. She's like, yeah, tell your parents to say goodbye. Yeah. And I was like, that is cold blooded because Edith has not been getting any love from the men all season long. Her parents even refer to her as poor old Edith. We never seem to talk about her, (laughs) which I thought was like the most brutal thing a parent could ever say about their child. Yeah. And then uh, I guess the very end was at the garden party and we find out uh, we are at war with Germany. Yeah, we get a sad scene of Matthew officially saying that he's leaving Downton Abbey. That's yeah, true, so yeah. what happens after that? Because the DVD stopped two minutes before the end oh, and oh, I could not watch it. Nothing happens after that. Okay. Matthew tells Mary that even without the baby, he can't he can't accept a life where he's like not in control. That his fate is not determined by him. It's determined by like what so else I saw that, with his family. And then it stopped. So Mary like walks away and she's crying. And then um, uh, Mr. Carson comes up to her and comforts her, which was nice because you get the feeling that he's been around since she was probably a little kid. And he, yeah. We've seen throughout the season that he has a special place in his heart for her. And he's just like basically says like, oh, people think you're bad, but you're not. Yeah. Is along the lines of the conversation. And then as Jimmy was alluding to, a telegram comes in. And uh, Mr. Crawley, the Lord of Downton Abbey, he walks to the middle of the party and says something that only a privileged white male could do. (laughs) He's like, 
everybody quiet. I need your attention right now. And everyone just does it. <laughs> and he's like not standing on anything. He's just standing. He's like in the middle of a, of a backyard. And he's like, we are at war. <laughs> and the music comes up. Wow. Yeah. It's awesome. All right. He's like, we are at war with Germany and Austria. Yeah. And I was like, that is an awesome cliffhanger because it actually happened. They didn't have to <laughs> use like some fake plot point. Yeah. It was like, oh, yo, this is going to be next season is the war season. Yeah. The war season. Oh, yeah. Ooh. And there's some other stuff going on related to the war. Like we see Thomas. Thomas has been basically caught red handed, like stealing from yeah. Carson, which he wasn't really stealing money. He was stealing information. But anyways, um, they're going to fire Carson after the garden party. And instead, he's been like doing some subterfuge behind Thomas, the scene. Thomas, you mean, not Carson. Thomas, yes. They're going to fire Thomas after the garden party. But he's actually been lobbying with the town doctor to try to. He feels that war is coming and he doesn't want to get sent to the front lines and be like cannon fodder. So he wants to try to be a medic. He wants to volunteer in. Yeah. Yeah. So the doctor gets him a spot and he's like, oh, this actually might help you that you're volunteering. And Thomas has like a, a grin on his face like, oh, I'm smart. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. So we're going to war, baby. Yeah. So I guess I can get to my overall thoughts. Do it. Um, yeah. I It's kind of funny because I feel like Downton Abbey is a show that I shouldn't like, but I do like same way when yeah. i first watched it uh, it's so funny because there's not really a whole lot that happens it's literally just this family they're living there they're doing their thing and that's about it like yeah. there, there's not really any plot um it's like social machinations like it, who, who can rise and who can yeah. fall and stuff. It, it's literally just interplay between characters and if you don't like the characters then you're not gonna like it but the good thing about the show is that the acting is phenomenal and the characters are written very well yeah so it's Honestly, it's punch for punch. It's great. Um, uh, the the characters are great. They're complex. Really good actors, like I said. And you you feel like you're part of the family, and you feel like part of the staff. But who's to say they aren't the same? Mm. Oh, there's a little bit of that with that scene family. with Carson. Yeah. yeah, that's very familiar. Jeff, you have any overall thoughts? Yeah, I mean, same thing Jimmy said. It's well acted. It's well directed. It's well put together there's so many things going on and they string it together well mm -hmm. so like you're always flowing and you're always seeing everything it's it's the the costuming is amazing the set pieces are amazing uh they do a really good job at keeping everything historically accurate uh but by the way the set downton abbey is a real house yes. it's not called downton abbey i forgot what it's called but i did look it up and you could stay there on vacation for a lot of money but i would love to do that <laughs> Um, the show is so white that even the indentured servants are white. I don't think there's one non-white person in the entire show. Pamuk. That's, you could argue that he's from the caucus, which is very white. Uh, historically accurate. Sure. But it looks like a pro Brexit Boris Johnson rally. It's just not diverse at all, yeah. which Jeff's writing bits. I did write that. Yeah. So thank you. My delivery was pretty well. Whether it's funny or not, that's up for you to decide. I hope you got a little chuckle out of it. Um, that's it. That's my overall thoughts. Okay. I'm not going to give overall thoughts, but I'm going to try to give you one last little push. Pitch. Oh, pitch boy. One last Elevator pitch. pitch. Let's do it. There's a lot of big things coming. This season one, like Jeff said, could be any PBS masterpiece theater. There's a lot thing. more seasons than I thought. There are. And- when this show started to really take off and get picked up 
by like the cultural zeitgeist and popularity, they went big with it. Mm. There's a lot of cool guest There's stars. Merchandising for this, it's weird. Yeah, it goes. It it covers a large range of time. A lot of big events. I know new the characters. I know the plot of the movie. I I don't think it's really a spoiler, but the royalty comes in and uh, yeah. they're gonna go see the king and queen. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of big twists coming. Oh boy! Like honestly, there's a twist in like the third season that is maybe the biggest plot twist I've ever seen on TV. Oh except boy. for like it's up there. Like top three all time. We're talking like Who Red, Shot JR. Red Wedding. Red Wedding, Who Shot JR, those types of things. I found that out because while trying to Google season one Aww. finale ending because the DVD stopped, I clicked on something that was for season four. So oh boy. Oh, that's sad. So if you guys get talked into Downton Abbey, I can tell you it's only going up, baby. All right. It's all uphill from here. Present so, your question, sir. Jeff, Jimmy, keep in mind, we've got the movie coming out very soon, and yes. I would love to go see it with you guys. Ooh, maybe we can go together. In full tuxedo. <laughs> that would actually, that would be the best cosplay to I a movie I think we alluded to this <laughs> yeah, in the did. first part of the episode. <laughs> That's incredible. Jeff, Jimmy. Did I talk you into Downton Abbey? Yes. Wow. Super hard no. Wow. Hard no like you hated it? No. I know that it's a show I shouldn't like that I don't. It's it's well made, but it's not for me. And I struggled so hard to get through this. Oh, really? I liked it even more during my rewatch. While watching it, I remember why I stopped watching it the first time that I tried like mm. eight nine years ago it it's not a binge show maybe that's it maybe watching seven episodes was the worst thing you could have done maybe if you were like watch I two or it. three watch two or three episodes. i watched five in one day i so i struck I. I had to watch the last two episodes on 1.5 speed to get through it because Aww. i hated it so much my wife watched half of episode six and she's like i want to watch this so i'm gonna borrow let's replace jeff with Lindsay. It, all right it was it was seven of the most boring hours oh, I've ever wow. experienced. Like, I, I understand why people like it. Totally get it. I can't hate it. I don't know if this is like some kind of revenge that because there were two Weird Al episodes you're <laughs> putting me through this. No, I love this. Did not like it at all. Oh, that was I surprising. get it. I understand why people like it. It's not something I'm confused why it's popular. Do you think it's weird that I like it? No. Okay. I don't think it's weird that you like it. It is well made. Like you can't argue that. I you did don't get like... sucked in by the characters. No, oh. and that's why. That's why. Like it was so dense. It was hard to write notes, but I I hated it, man. I couldn't. I can't. I can't do six more seasons and a movie of this. I might. <laughs> I don't know what'll happen. I I get. I got angry watching it when I was wow. like, oh my god, I have to watch more of this. Is it over yet? Oh, that's crazy. And then there was a seventh. I thought there was six episodes. There was a seventh. <laughs> I'm like, this one's an hour and a minute long. I have to do this now. Jimmy, what do you think? <laughs> I'm the complete opposite. I got, I got to take a drink. Um, I do agree with Jeff that I shouldn't like this, but I, I love it. I don't know why. Oh, Dan, your thing's all falling over. Um, for some reason, I don't know if it just feels so wholesome. 
<laughs> like I don't know how else to describe it. Like it's obviously not there, wholesome. there there's some definitely dark moments, but there's also some moments where Carson is answering a phone for like three minutes, and oh, I so just good. love it. Like that's funny, but I I don't like any of the characters. Mm. They're well written, but I can't relate to anybody. It's so good though. There's so much melodrama and soap opery stuff that when they have a light thing like the phone, or you gotta watch the scene of the Dowager Countess almost falling off a swivel chair. <laughs> yeah, it it's will do that. so much better because it's like surrounded by super serious stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm typically not into period piece things like this. Like, I was actually dreading watching the show. I was not looking forward to it at all. I was looking forward to it. <laughs> Jeff and I are the opposite. I, I did watch two or three episodes before, and I was like, oh, it's a well-made show. Let me revisit it. But yeah. as soon as I was watching it, like, I remembered a few things from the first couple episodes, and I'm like, I, now I know why I stopped. Oh, that's that's crazy. So how into it are you, Jim? Oh, I'm going to watch the entire series, and I'm going to go see the movie with yes. you. Yes. Yeah, we're holding hands. <laughs> we're holding hands. Your hands are very sweaty, <laughs> uncomfortably sweaty for an episode of Downton Abbey. <laughs> we just held hands and it was like I saw holding it. on to a room temperature stick of butter. <laughs> My hands are always sweaty. Oh, I don't know. What... Cute. Uh, yeah, good because no one else wants to go see that movie with me. So oh, we I watched see. a preview at it for uh when i was at work and i was like i'm so into this so you didn't get spoiled on anything no i have no spoilers okay. i don't know anything jeff about the show. i need to talk to you off pod so you're gonna watch Jimmy. six seasons in like three weeks it took yeah. you three weeks to watch seven episodes. i watched five episodes in one day so oh i don't see why God. i can't not do it now he's hooked i can watch like three seasons this we weekend. don't need to see it the day it comes out either no. i still got i still want to rewatch. i actually think that i missed like the last four episodes of the entire series. Oh, geez. So, yeah, I got to watch all that stuff. Yeah. In the meantime, I'm really happy about this. And Jeff, I'm really sad about this. <laughs> this is why we're cuz friends and you're not cuz friends. Yeah. So next week, Dan and Jimmy are going to talk me into something. Oh, yeah. I'm not excited about. It's a band that Dan has tried to get me into for years. Yeah. A sleepy time band. They call it the sleepy music. <laughs> yeah, you have heard of this band and heard them, but I don't think you've ever taken the time to really. It's a band I should like because I like bands like them. And I, I'm i I'm positive about next episode. And and I should say we're talking about the band Fleet Foxes. Oh, yes. yes. Fleet Foxes. And Jimmy is on my side. Yes. I talked Jimmy into Fleet Foxes. Oh, yeah. A long time ago. So we are going to be talking Jeff into Fleet Foxes. Yeah. And we're going to get specific about why and all that stuff. And the albums, and that'll be in the yeah. show notes of I this think, episode. I think we know the albums, right? We're doing the three studio albums. Isn't there four? Nope, there's three studio albums. We're doing Dan the- Dan loves Sweet Foxes. We're doing the self-titled- Oh, well, I'm, I'm counting the EP, but no, yeah, I'm we're not just going to stick with the full lengths. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do uh, the self-titled Sweet Foxes. And we're going to do Helplessness Blues, which is their second album and also super critically acclaimed. And then uh, their newest album, which I don't remember the name of. Crack Up. Cracked Up. Yes. Which is not Cracked Up. It's just Crack Up, I believe. I thought it was Cracked Up. You guys are going to have some trouble talking <laughs> me into this, aren't you? <laughs> no, I love oh, it. We love this band. They have 74 albums, and this is what they're called wrong. No, nah, they have three albums. I just listen to them on spotify and don't have um it, it doesn't matter if it's i was right you were wrong it's crack up well it doesn't matter don't paint Friggin me out a. to be wrong jeff i'm right <laughs> um so we're gonna listen to those three albums you should too and uh on the next episode jeff will like fleet Fox. we'll see you got a much better chance to talk me into that than this one because this was i'm shocked i Ooh. am too i thought you were gonna like this i was shocked at how much i hated it but 
I remember you talking positively about it on IC3 when you were originally watching it. Yeah. People change. I was a That's different true. man back then. You're right. You're right. In the meantime, Jeff, where can people find the show? Online. www.talkmeinto.com is our website where you could find all the episodes, but you could also find us on Apple Podcasts where you can leave us a five-star review and write great things about us. And yeah. you could find us on patreon.com slash talkmeinto. Uh, pumping some more stuff into there. Getting some more patrons. Let's do, do this. Yeah. Let's we got some fun stuff. Are we there. is the podcast on Twitter, Jeff? Yes, the podcast is on Twitter at Sir Bland. No, we <laughs> forgot it already. Oh, I forgot the word uh from our previous episode, Inside. We're trying to start inside jokes. It's not taking off that well. <laughs> our memories are too bad. At a crows. At a po- pose. At talk me into on Twitter. I'm at J E F F F F F two seven. Dan, yeah. where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you could find me on Twitter under the name Danny underscore Breakdown. I'm also on Letterboxd, but I stopped writing on that, so I'm not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> wow, you were going hard for like a year on that. Yeah, who has the time? Jimmy, where can people find you online? They can find me at Son of a Fitch, S-O-N-N-A-V-A-F-I-T-C-H. And as a very special, uh, it's not an announcement, but announcement on the show, I am doing a charity stream on September 29th where I am... Streaming my old uh, video blog series that I started 10 years ago. Wow. You guys, like, this is the first I'm hearing of this. You have to watch this. Because what is the charity stream? I don't know so, what that means. Jimmy was so cringy as a little boy. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, we was. all were, but you have to if watch If you yeah. liked the YouTube scenes from eighth grade, but thought they were <laughs> a little too polished and a little too cool, watch Jimmy Fitch's vlogs. <laughs> so we're going to uh, be live streaming. We're also, I'm going to be, it's going to be me and a bunch of friends. We're going to be watching them drinking getting drunk watching my old videos and we're also going to be playing some games and stuff too but we're going to be raising money for a uh, charity called child's play that donates um games video games and um toys and stuff to children's hospitals toys that come alive and murder people good job no not quite but yeah so i'm celebrating celebrating 10 years and i'd like to i'd like to give back so cool yeah that sounds fun so, oh yeah, so it's September 29th. It's going to start at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Easter Standard Time? Easter Standard Time. It's going to be on Easter, April yeah. something. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into. What will we talk you into next? Charity. <laughs> <laughs>